0: support comes from Empower Missouri's Week of Action with in-person and virtual advocacy training for affordable housing, criminal justice, and food security initiatives, March 25th through 28th, registration at empowermissouri.org/woa.
1: Congresswoman Ann Wagner has represented Missouri's 2nd Congressional District since 2013. And now she's seeking reelection in a district that's been changed pretty dramatically by redistricting. The Baldwin Republican joins us on Politically Speaking to break down the big issues in her clash with Democrat Trish Gunby and previews how a Republican majority could govern the U.S. House. Let's hit the music.
0: This is the Politically Speaking podcast, the definitive show about Missouri politics. We have to talk about things that matter to people.
1: I've tried to bring that same aggressive iconoclast style with me to uh, the United States Senate. I think
0: my district is a model for the state. We put Missourians first. You just kind of have to find the common ground with people. I believe that this district deserves someone who represents their values.
1: After I came back to St. Louis, I started thinking that I could have a bigger role on the change that I wanted to make. And welcome to Politically Speaking. I'm your host, St. Louis Public Radio political correspondent Jason Rosenbaum. I'm flying solo today, and I'm in the studio with one of the people who is trying to represent Jason Rosenbaum in Washington,
0: <laughs> Ann Wagner. I'm glad to be with you. It's a it's a pleasure. I've I've been doing these with you, Politically Speaking, now for. God. Years and years and years. It's uh, great. Y-
1: you've come in every election cycle since 2016, and we do appreciate that. We did have your opponent Trish Gunby, on earlier, and I think it's important for voters to understand where these candidates stand on issues. So, why did you decide to run for reelection? I know that you your name had been thrown around as running for the U.S. Senate along with every other Republican in the state, <laughs> but you're firmly going toward the House, and you seem pretty happy about that.
0: I am. I'm. You know. I've, I've... I belong in the House. It's a it's where the work gets done. It's where the heavy lifting happens. Uh, it's it's uh, where we actually turn through legislation. And I'm running for re-election uh, to be that conservative voice in Congress that will uh, work for you and your families and fight for I believe our Midwestern values that um, that are being dramatically threatened by this administration. Uh, it is really about, about, I think at the end of the day, um, our very way of life, which is under assault. I can go through the litany here, and it's a, it's a 40-year high inflation that is affecting everyone. It's a hidden tax that uh, really means that people are not making two ends meet. One out of six Americans are in arrears in their uh, utility bills, in their home energy bills. I mean, I went to the grocery store to buy, to buy Halloween candy Yesterday, and the the price of Skittles is up forty one percent. Twix fifty three percent. I mean, I've seen the numbers. It's uh, gas is out of control. We've got crime that is out of control, uh, certainly in our city of St. Louis and uh, across the country. And I I believe that's because of the policies that this administration supports. Whether it's open borders, I think we're somewhere, Jason, around four point five million illegal migrants across the southern border in the last 21 months that Joe Biden has been uh, president. And what that what that means is fentanyl that has come across. We have some six, seventy thousand Americans now that are dead from fentanyl overdoses, a hundred thousand because of opioid a- abuse. Uh, this is a uh, an assault by China, by the cartels, uh, against the American people, and I see nothing by this administration or the Democrats to do something about it. So uh, whether it's energy independence, uh, whether it's foreign policy issues, I could get into a whole host of, of, of how provocative things are and, and, and boiling over, whether it's Iran, uh, China and Taiwan, Ukraine and Russia. I, it's just, I, I'm telling you, I am running because we have got To uh, to get a hold of the reins, enough is enough, and begin to stop some of this madness that has really spiraled our country into, I think, a very dangerous place.
1: We'll get to the individual issues later on the show, but your new district, as I alluded to, includes a lot of new territory. It includes part of Richmond Heights and Maplewood, and I'm sure the Democrats there are thrilled that you're uh, their (laughs) congresswoman. But it also includes Franklin and Warren counties, which means let let's just. Rip the Band-Aid off. This district is much more Republican than it was in 2020 when this was a nationally targeted congressional seat.
0: Well, yes, I've had two tough cycles, um, uh, two or three in a row, and this has always been a a suburban-driven district. Uh, Any district, not to get wonky with folks uh, in Missouri, at one point in time, was seven hundred and seventy thousand people in population. Mm. I can tell you that five hundred and thirty-six thousand of that is still St. Louis County, uh, which is the heart and soul of the district. But I'm pleased that the district has moved out into uh into areas like Franklin County, about two-thirds of Warren County maybe a hundred hundred twenty thousand in St. Charles. And what this is really giving me an opportunity to do is it to expand my uh, my agribusiness and my agriculture creds here. I have supported the farm bill for the almost 10 years that I've been in Congress, and I'm gonna have some 1,800 family farms in Franklin County, over 500 in Warren County that I have the opportunity to uh, to represent. We'll be keeping an office open in Washington, uh, Missouri, in Franklin County to serve constituents there. Constituent services are very important to me, so uh, it is a little different. Now, I lost Jefferson County. That yeah. makes me sad, you know. I, I moved. A, we moved and got a different portion of St. Charles, but I, I'm just honored to to be able to continue to serve
1: okay I don't want to go down a redistricting rabbit hole but I mentioned the Richmond Heights part that goes around Webster Groves. Is it possible that after this election is over, somebody may file a compactness challenge and maybe you you, you <sighs> yeah. put uh, Richmond Heights and Maplewood back into the first and the district becomes even more Republican? Well,
0: the first thing that, that listeners need to understand is that, that the congressional delegation has nothing to do, very little to do, I should say, and nothing anymore to do with redistricting. And they
1: can, they, they can influence, but they don't, they're not the decision
0: maker. No it is it is the Missouri House and the Missouri Senate and i have to say you know, i was disappointed in their their progress and their process because we were the last map the last state in the entire country to even have congressional districts. So people were in limbo for forever. You know, are these the lines that 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 I perhaps would have drawn? No. I, I saw but... <laughs> Sarah
1: Walsh, and uh, who was running for Congress, and she oh, didn't know who where she broken. was running. And neither did Trish Gumby, and neither did you. So. Uh,
0: it's, it's the truth. And uh, and there were so many floating around out there. You just didn't know at the end of the day where it would end up. Um, you know, it, and that's, that's the process every 10 years. And, uh, you know, a third of the district is brand new and I'm excited about that.
1: Why do you think you would be a better member of Congress than your Democratic opponent, Trish Gunby? Yeah,
0: I'm, I'm running to, as I've, I laid out in the last question, to stop this uh, President Biden's radical socialist policies that have have really drug this country down into uh, depths of, um, of a impending recession have really assaulted our values and our very freedoms and way of life that are reckless and unsafe. And I believe that my opponent is running to be a rubber stamp for President Biden's and Nancy Pelosi's policies out there. I can tell you specifically that she has voted for uh, Medicare for all, true socialism, universal health care that really, at the end of the day, we know, uh, means Medicare for none. It's a, the European-style socialist Medicare for all. Um, she's literally voted for higher taxes on every level, whether it's the gas tax, property taxes, on down the line. Uh, she She's advocated for a pathway to citizenship for illegal uh, aliens. Uh, and as I said, another 45 yeah, million already. And those doesn't that doesn't count the gotaways that may be over a million uh, out there.
1: You mean, did she just do this on the stump? Because I don't think the Missouri legislature voted on immigration issues. She, she
0: put out a position paper specifically oh. advocating uh, for a pathway to citizen, citizenship for illegal aliens. And she has most specifically supported uh, the defund the police efforts. I can tell you, she, now she
1: says she doesn't support defund the well,
0: police. Well, let me tell you what the record would say uh, differently. She voted against uh, Governor Parsons' uh, signed police bill of rights measure that penalized cities that tried to defund the police. She voted against that. So, I mean, I'd say, as I said, her policies are nothing but a but a, a rubber stamp. And then I want to say this to be to be honest. Um, being a, a legislator is about being a doer, not a show horse, a workhorse, someone who actually uh, is able to deliver for the district. And, uh, And that's what I am. I believe I'm an effective legislator. And I can say that my opponent has never, ever passed a bill through the Missouri legislature into law. Not one single bill in her time in the Missouri legislature. And I here alone, just this, in this Congress alone, Jason, the 117th Congress, um, I have passed 10 pieces of legislation through the House. Three of them are law already. And three more, once we get through uh, the, the this lame duck period, which is November through January, I believe will be passed into law also. And, and this is with... A Democrat House and Senate and Democrat yeah, president. Yeah, because she's going
1: to say, like, it, it's a supermajority Republican legislature. She doesn't have a lot of ability to pass laws in that. But,
0: but what what passing legislation is about is, is, is reaching across the aisle, uh, being a doer, getting things done, uh, finding... Uh, solutions for your district, and these are uh, the breadth and depth of these pieces of legislation. Many of which are now law, are things like the Victims of Crime Act, um, in, the, the Southeast Strategy Act, increasing our trade and national security uh, with our uh, Indo-Pacific partners, the Israel Nation, uh, uh, Israel relations. Uh, Normalization Act, which is between Israel and, uh, and the Arab states, trade, national security, uh, our own safety and security. I'm obviously on the Financial Services Committee, so there are several bills to in particular that um, deal with, with uh, regulatory reform in the financial services sector. And uh, I've got a great piece of legislation that I passed that deals with the finan- financial exploitation of of older investors, I, so I've again. In a, it, I'm able to 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 be somebody that actually uh, produces legislation, is an effective legislator, gets things done, and that's a direct contrast, I believe, to my um, to my Democrat opponent.
1: She says that she is making the fall of Roe versus Wade her top issue, and she is banking on a backlash in the second district, especially since Missouri banned. Most abortions, except for medical emergencies, what what are you hearing on that issue?
0: Well, I, you know, I've looked at at the polling both nationally and certainly in the state of Missouri and obviously in the second congressional district, and I can tell you the number one issue, uh, the top set of issues that are on the minds of of Missourians and and those in the second district, have to do with inflation, the cost of living, jobs, the economy. By if you combine those three together, that's somewhere between fifty-five to sixty percent of the district. And this is this is all. This is a. These are not just Republican numbers. This is independents, Democrats. They would then cite crime as a big issue, and a lot of that uh, deals with the open border uh, and fentanyl. That shows up as one of the top uh, issues in their uh, list of concerns. Um, while abortion is certainly. Uh, an issue that is of, of concern to, uh, uh, to some that will be voting in the second district. It is not top of mind and is pretty far down the, the issue set list at, at this point in time, because I think other things that are true kitchen table issues that are affecting their daily, daily life uh, have really uh, overtaken that.
1: Now, correct me if I'm wrong, your position on abortion is you are opposed to abortion except for instances of rape, incest, and life of the mother, correct? Yeah,
0: I have always been a pro-life advocate mm. my entire life, Jason, and I will always stand up for, for life and, and for protecting the unborn. I believe that the biggest thing that the Dobbs decision did that uh, you know, I, I fought for and marched for and prayed for for 50 years was to send these decisions back to the states and their elected officials so
1: you don't support lindsey graham doing a, a a blanket 15-week abortion ban for everybody
0: i support that these kinds of issues be returned to the states and their elected officials and yes when it comes to voting for federal policies, I have always stood with the three exceptions of life of the mother, rape, uh, and incest. I can say at the federal level there probably are some th- th- some uh, issues that dealing with abortion, like federal taxpayer dollars. We don't want that going towards abortions. Uh, maybe born alive legislation, gender side. But the thing here really is that my opponent uh, and. The U.S. House of Representatives, which has voted twice on this issue, is extreme on this position. Uh, my opponent believes in an abortion on demand up and through 40 weeks. That is a full-term Baby. Uh, I find their position uh, reprehensible. I think most people in the second district do. I think most people across the country and the world don't agree with that. And position. I want
1: to get to other issues. but yes. when I asked her about that because I knew that you were going to make that point, she says that she doesn't support that but limit because there could be instances after twenty or 26 weeks where the baby is going to die. And they have to terminate the pregnancy after
0: that. As, as I said, her, uh, she's made her position quite clear over and over again. Uh, she believes in free and full access to abortion up through full term uh, uh, 40 weeks. So uh, I stand in stark contrast to that. Uh, and we'll see where the voters you know, come down. So if
1: I think the Republicans are going to take over the House, and your caucus is very eclectic. It includes people like you and Blaine Luke demire and Sam Graves, who I think are like mainline Republicans but conservative on issues. And then more colorful people like Marjorie Taylor Green and Matt Gates, who say all sorts of incendiary and crazy things. How is a Republican caucus going to be able to function properly, especially when there's still going to be a Democrat in the White House and the Senate may be 50/50 or fairly evenly split even if it's a Republican majority?
0: Well, I, I think you're right. Uh, uh, we are going to win back the, the U.S. House of Representatives, and that's going to be a mandate and um, and, and really a statement n- not of, of, of the Republican Party in Congress, but one of the people. The people are fed up with these policies and the, the extreme decline in this country over the last— I said, just 21 months. Elections have consequences, and they've seen those consequences, and they want change. Um, I believe that I won't make any prognostications. I can say the numbers are turning, and the wind seems to be at our back in the House. Somewhere, I'm going to say, between 20 and 30 seats, we will pick up. I believe that now, given what uh, what uh, we've seen in terms of of the movement of of some of the undecided and in independence as we get closer to election day i think we're going to take the, the u.s senate also which will put us in a stronger position legislatively so to get to your point i believe we can have a governing uh, majority that's going to do things like first of all stop the out of control spending we are not going to spend send you know, as this past Congress and Nancy Pelosi has done and Chuck Schumer, send over $7 trillion of government spending, taxpayer dollars spent down to the president of the United States to be, be signed.
1: Do you count that also the COVID spending under President Trump in that $7 trillion? I do not. Okay. I do not.
0: I do not. I because do not some count- people
1: would say that that also contributed to inflation. Well, too. I think
0: that the CARES Act was something that we needed. That gave us the the, uh, certainly, the, helped our small businesses, helped for financial stability, uh, helped with PPE, helped with our research, helped uh, uh, with with uh, the small businesses to keep those in 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 place. So I supported the CARES Act. I didn't support after President Biden uh, took office the additional seven trillion dollars. First, he spent two trillion dollars uh, on a Build Back Better agenda. He spent another trillion on a so-called infrastructure program that was all green new deal he spent another two trillion dollars just a couple months ago uh, on on this he called it the inflation reduction act which is not even what democrats refer to it as so you can add it all up it's trillions and we're going to stop that we're not going to send that kind of policy down to the president to sign we're going to talk about regulatory reform we're going to get behind energy independence and here's the thing i'm hoping that this will be uh, such a strong Signal to this White House that uh, my hope certainly is that President Biden will work with us, and 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 do some of the the kinds of shifts uh, and and moderations that you saw like a Bill Clinton do when he was president. Mm-hmm. Those are important things that uh, that uh, are really on the. I think that's what the American people are 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 hoping for to get us on the right direction.
1: Now you mentioned inflation. There are other countries around the world that are dealing with. Inflation too isn't this something that is beyond a legislative body's control, and it is more of a global. I I would say byproduct of the pandemic ending or something like
0: that. Well, you know, there was all this talk at the beginning of this administration that this was a transitory situation. Um, there there was a there was a time when perhaps leaving a pandemic, one could have that that discussion, but this president and Speaker Pelosi and uh, Leader Schumer, both Democrats in the House and Senate, led us down a path that sunk us into this record high, 41-year high inflation. And it's because of the trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars uh, that were not paid for of taxpayer government spending uh, that exacerbated inflation. It's because of the over- uh, Overreaching arm of of the administrative state or the regulators out there. There's an alphabet soup, as as everyone knows, of whether it's the EPA, the SEC, the F, FDIC, the CFPB. I could give you one, you know, one one acronym after another that are right now passing rules and regulations to shut down business and uh, and to make it more difficult for them to prosper. Uh, and and that cost. Jason gets passed along to the American people and the third thing I would say that has driven uh, uh, this inflation is a lack of of unleashing energy independence the first day this president came in he shut down the Keystone pipeline there are 4,400 oil and gas leases right now out there that need to be signed and uh, allowed to move forward that this president has stopped you know we don't have to be dependent upon upon uh, you know, OPEC and uh, uh, dictators and ayatollahs and others for our oil. We could have our own, our own energy independence here and unleash it, uh, especially in the area of liquid natural gas. Well, that was
1: going to be my next question. That Please. has been a common thing that I've heard Republicans like say. They they're mad about the Keystone Pipeline being shut down or or, or oil production not being at it is. But if the Keystone Pipeline had been not stopped. I think it would have been until 2023 or 2024 before it would was completed. So would that have really affected the gas situation now and same with like oil production? That that's going to take a long time for that gas to go into the system or it, that oil to go into the system. It doesn't take
0: as long as you as, as you think. And yeah. and we were a net exporter of of LNG or liquid natural gas, when President Trump left office and Joe Biden took over, as I said, he has stopped every single one of the drilling and fracking leases out there. The United States of America—I I call us the Saudi Arabia of liquid natural gas. We should be exporting it. Not only would we have our own energy independence, we would be—we'd—we'd we'd be exporting this to Europe. And solving their energy crisis right now, and you know what else? It'd be 41 percent cleaner than what they're getting from Russia and from the East and from China and the other ayatollahs out there. I, I mean, I am an all of the all of the above um, uh, energy policy person. I mean, we should be pursuing all sorts of ways um, uh, for for clean energy, uh, but I believe in. In, in things, clean energy, that would include things like nuclear. And certainly, we've got to start the fracking and the, and, the, um, uh, and they get these oil drilling leases that are offshore and onshore going again. He shut that all down. And, and to me, that has caused massive inflation and put us at risk vulnerably um, uh, in terms of our national security. Uh, because it's it's not a good place to be in. It's not a good place for the Europe to be in, also. And they've seen that. They've tried to reverse their policies. And uh, I just think there are so many implications, both that are inflationary, national security related, um, and and trade and export related, that that freeing up American energy would would really solve. And that's what we're also going to be focusing on when we take back the majority.
1: We'll be right back after this quick break with Congresswoman Ann Wagner. And we're back on Politically Speaking with Congresswoman Ann Wagner. She is running for re-election in Missouri's beautiful 2nd Congressional District. So I want to talk about Ukraine. And usually this would be a time when Sarah Kellogg would ask these questions because as somebody who is half Ukrainian and whose family immigrated to the St. Louis area from Ukraine in the 1900s, um, I can't really say that I am unbiased on this issue, even though uh, the Ukrainians did not treat Jewish people particularly well in the 1900s. But she is out sick. I feel like this is a really important issue. So I am going to ask these questions with that disclosure. Do you support the U.S. continuing to provide Ukraine with military and humanitarian aid?
0: I absolutely do. And and I come at this uh, as someone who is the number two ranking Republican. Uh, on the House uh, Foreign Affairs Committee, in addition to financial services, but I do sit there with uh, Michael McCall, who will soon be the chairman of uh, the Foreign Affairs Committee. I have traveled to um, to the border of Ukraine, uh, to Poland, to Moldova, to the entire region, uh, gathering information, doing oversight, uh, uh, seeing what the situation is on the ground, the heartbreaking uh, refugees that are are, are trying to, to get out of the of, of the country and find a place temporarily to go. I have been uplifted, as so many Americans have and people across the world, by the strength and resiliency of the Ukrainians. Uh, they don't want us to fight their war. They just want us to provide them with the military uh, and the weaponry and the military capacity to fight their own war. This is a free and sovereign nation, and this. Communist dictator Putin has come in, I believe because he he also saw American weakness, starting with our pullout in Afghanistan. Is he really communist, though? He,
1: he, he's he, definitely an autocrat. I, I, I think he was a communist back when he, he was he's in the a KGB. KGB
0: agent. Okay, <laughs> I just once a make KGB, it clear. once a KGB agent, <laughs> always a KGB agent. Uh, my my son would say, once an army ranger, always an army <laughs> ranger. Um, but he is evil, and he has committed uh, just a, a tyrant who has committed uh, war crimes that he will be held a- accountable for. So I believe that it is our job to provide Ukraine um, with the weaponry. Uh, to defeat Putin in Ukraine he must be stopped there because what i don't want to see is 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 article 5 triggered and and to see putin creep because he won't end with ukraine if if he's not stopped move into an article five country this is this is again a nato country that we have an agreement with that would require american boots on the ground fighting that war i don't want our sons and daughters boots on the ground i don't want them fighting i want the ukrainians to defeat him with our support that of nato and the rest of the world um in ukraine um there has been talk recently, and I think you have another yeah, follow-on yeah, to there, that.
1: There's been, there has been reports about Kevin McCarthy, who will become Speaker of the House if Republicans take over, saying, we don't want to give Ukraine any more money. We have other issues that we have to deal with. Um, is that a mistake, given that Ukraine is about to retake Kherson? And they have a lot of momentum
0: right now. Well, I've spoken with the leader and I've spoken with our own leadership. And I think that his comments are being taken a bit out of um, uh, out of context. What he what he really wants is and I agree with wholeheartedly is to see the proper oversight out there. He wants transparency. Uh, and I am quite worried about our own readiness capabilities here in the United States of America. So what has happened under under the Democrat leadership is there have not been there have not been any hearings about, Uh, about the money that we've appropriated from a military or humanitarian standpoint to Ukraine. We don't know how much is left. We don't know what specifically has gone towards military. We don't know how much of it has gone to backfill our US military readiness power. So I agree, this isn't gonna be a blank check anymore. And that's what he said. Uh, not a blank check, and it won't be. There's got to be oversight, there's got to be uh, transparency. We have to worry about our own readiness, and you know what else? We have to make sure that our other partners in Europe, and they have come together, and in NATO, I mean, who would have ever thought that Sweden and Finland would ever join it, it, it NATO? Is. Yeah,
1: and I understand I mean, and I understand that that is a controversy, too. Like, there's been a lot of criticism of Germany that they haven't done enough because they are so dependent on Russian uh, natural gas and energy. So, And if I, we were
0: I, supplying them from the U.S., <laughs> they wouldn't be so dependent. I, I, get, I
1: get what you're saying on that. <laughs> and actually, there's some bipartisan agreement that uh, that's not enough. Now let's go to crime because I think that is a major issue. What would a Republican Congress do to solve the crime problem, or at least make a dent in it? Since I, 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 would argue that this is a local issue, and I think that local jurisdictions need to have the most autonomy here about how they deal with it.
0: Well, um, that, that's true. I mean, one thing that we have to do first and, and foremost is to, to get off this rant of um, of defunding the police. Um, our our Police have been uh, absolutely defunded, demoralized, disrespected. They are quitting uh, Congress, or not. Pardon me, not Congress. They're quitting the force in large numbers. We've we've seen it uh, in every single state, in every single city uh, across our country. Uh, I'm saddened by the statistic that the city of St. Louis is uh, number one, number one in crime uh, across the entire U.S. And, you know, we've got to prosecute the criminals that are out there. We've, we we see prosecutors and DAs across the country and in our own city of St. Louis that, that uh, agree with no cash bail, that agree that uh, they are not pro- uh, prosecuting criminals. The backlogs are years long. Uh, they're, as I said, defunding and demoralizing our police officers. You know, I, we need to enforce I believe existing laws that are out there, and um, and we've got to uh, strengthen our law enforcement and and stop stop the criminals from um, having free reign out there. It's because you know what? Not only do people feel unsafe uh, and are worried for their, their their children's and their homes and their properties, or whether they're leaving work in the city of St. Louis, they're also. Uh, it's also a drain on our economy and jobs as people flee the area.
1: But you mentioned St. Louis and St. Louis County. They raised their sales taxes in 2007 for law enforcement. And I don't see a noticeable improvement. So isn't that kind of a pushback against the idea that more money for police is the only way to solve crime?
0: Well, they're they're not – they haven't put that money towards – towards the police department. Their 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 force strength is way down.
1: Because they have a lot of vacancies. They have basically. left
0: and they can't film. They can't find cops that want to work in the city of St. Louis. It's it is so sad. They have put restrictions on them. Um, uh, that uh, uh, in terms of the, the kind of weaponry they can use, um, how they protect themselves, uh, those police officers, because of, of the defunding and the and the disrespect and, and such, have moved out to the county, have moved to other states, have quit altogether. Uh, so I don't believe that the money that they may be uh, raising, and certainly the money that they've gotten a huge influx, way too much from the federal government, uh, sadly, through these... You know, so like ta- the
1: American Rescue Plan, yes. for example, because a lot of local Hundreds governments have of millions gov- governments have gotten that. They too. don't even
0: know what to do with it. And uh, but they should be doing it. What they should be doing is not, you know, hiring more more social workers and resource officers. They ought to be sh- getting beat cops out there that can actually connect with the community, that can that can actually get out there and um, enforce the law take the kind of the handcuffs off of them and then you've got to have prosecutors that will prosecute the crime well that
1: actually gets to my next question i think that one of the problems is there's distrust between police and especially the african american community is there anything that congress can do to help foster a better relationship
0: yeah you know, i i think we can certainly you know recognize the situation It's really a local a state and local issue more than than anything i don't know I, yeah, I always hate it when the heavy hand of the federal government right. gets into issues that are local. I don't and I, I would
1: argue this isn't even really a policy thing. It, it's it's probably a more of a hearts and minds issue. And I think if you try to micromanage governmental policy to make people feel differently, I think you're going to fail. Especially, basically.
0: especially when it comes to law enforcement issues or education issues. Those those are issues that are decided closest to the to the people. But but if you had more, if you had more police officers that were out there interacting with the community, you know, walking the neighborhoods, in the schools, um, I think you'd have a a much better relationship. But at this point in time, uh, they don't have uh, the kind of numbers and, and again, force readiness to to even uh, address real crime that's going down. And then when they actually make the arrests, nobody prosecutes them. They get out, no cash bail, and are on the streets again the next day. And this is also creeping out into the county. So this is is uh, an uh, an issue, the crime issue, that is an everybody issue. Uh, And the drugs are are out of control. All I can tell your listeners is this fentanyl, it's one and dead. This is what I tell every child, every young person out there. I don't care whether it's a single stick of marijuana, one pill. I don't care if you're buying it over the Internet and you think it's an Adderall or a, a Xanax. It, it's probably laced with, if it's not been given out by a doctor, a certified doctor and pharmacy, it's probably laced with fentanyl, 70,000 deaths in the last year. Um, again, this is a border issue, but it's a crime issue also.
1: Now, obviously, we're on the heels of this horrific tragedy in a uh, uh, St. Louis High School, and there's still a lot of unanswered questions about the situation. The facts are not 100 percent there. I understand that there may be a more localized or state response to this, but is there anything the federal government can do on providing more money for mental health? Because yep. th- this was clearly like a mental health situation. I know there's probably going to be a lot of Democrats who are going to be restrict guns after this. Is there any federal response that you could see to things like what happened on Monday?
0: Well, obviously, it's just we were all devastated by another you know, senseless uh, shooting. It's just a tragedy. And- Uh, we're certainly grateful for our law enforcement i will say even as deplenished and depleted as they are the st louis city cops got there within 14 minutes and took down that shooter on the third floor of that school immediately so we are are grateful for their uh... their bravery and their swift action that saved that saved lives, and it, as I said, breaks my heart. I live in this community. I raise my family here. I am a mother of three children, a mother of three grandchildren now, Jason, and um, uh, as I said, it, it, it's heartbreaking, but I am the only uh, uh, person in this race that has actually supported and passed legislation um, that strengthened a, our background checks, like the Fix NICS program that uh, we passed in twenty eighteen that was signed into law that strengthened the NICS background check system um, by imposing kind of new reporting requirements and and federal agencies and that requires the DOJ to coordinate with state governments and things. So I've done some things that would really strengthen that background check. Second, um, we passed through the House the Stop School Violence Act, which helped us to to harden Our our uh, our schools and provide metal detectors, uh, deterrent measures, um, more security at schools and on school uh, grounds. We also passed through the House uh, in and in just in June of of 2022, uh, the Hope for Mental Health and Wellbeing Act, which uh, enhances behavioral health crisis centers and really sends money back to the states for mobile crisis care, emergency services, crisis call centers. I mean, so we've actually passed pieces of legislation that I think are are, um, are good and sound. At the end of the day, especially if you're dealing with a mental health issue, it is incumbent upon all of us. Uh, to be aware of our fellow man and those that are around us, our friends, our neighbors, the people we interact with. If they're struggling, we've got to get them the help. Uh, hardened criminals uh, will will always find ways to wreak havoc and and, and hurt and destroy our, our society. But I don't think we need more gun laws. I want to be clear, I'm a big su- su- supporter of the Second Amendment. I think we have to enforce the laws that are on the books, prosecute those, those criminals, and, and strengthen law enforcement's hands so that they can both stop the criminals and the mentally ill. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm sad to see this, this happen in, in this horrible tragedy happen in the city of St. Louis. Uh, we'll wait to see some of the other uh, facts that unfold.
1: Thank you so much, Congresswoman, for coming in and talking with me today. By the way, we did record an episode with Trish Gumby during the primary, which we will put a link to. So if you are like me in the second congressional district, you can listen to both shows and make an informed decision. Politically Speaking is a product of St. Louis Public Radio, which is a part of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. You can find all of our stories at stlpr.org. Follow me on Twitter at Jay Rosenbaum. How could people follow you on Twitter or learn more about your campaign?
0: AnnWagner.com.
1: Thank you very much. And until next time, so long.